are listening to the Bark of the Browns podcast with Brandon Wolf and Asa Haslidge. Hey guys, welcome on into the very first episode of the Bark of the Browns podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Wolf. This is my co-host, Asa Haslidge. How are you doing today, Asa? And I'm doing good, ready to talk some Browns, man. Yeah, I know. I'm Last year when I was podcasting, I mean, we didn't do all 16 weeks of the Bark of the Browns podcast uh, throughout the football season. But when I was making the Bark of the Browns podcast, it was it was a struggle to kind of be on here by myself and just talking to myself. So it's, it's nice having a co-host. It's nice having somebody to talk to and kind of bounce my ideas off of. So it's glad yeah. I'm glad to have you here. Yeah, especially, dude, back in them OMS days and we were learning how to do it. And they're like, yeah, do one by yourself. And it's like, wow, man, I've been just talking to myself for 20 minutes and I got to do another 40. <laughs> like, this, that was rough, man. Yeah. Yeah. Asa was a, a classmate of mine at the Ohio Media School. So uh, we kind of already have that great uh, chemistry, you could say, behind the mic. Yeah. So let's kind of just jump right in. We're going to talk about last week's game. Well, Really, we could talk about the last three games that the Browns have had since we haven't been able to cover the first three weeks of the NFL season. And then we're also going to preview the Browns-Cowboys game, obviously coming up in week four. And then we'll also preview, uh, so we're recording this podcast on Tuesday. So we'll be re- uh, previewing Thursday night's game between the Broncos and the Jets. So um, Really, there are a few things I want to touch on as far as the Browns go this season. I mean, obviously, Kevin Stefanski, the run game. Uh, what are your thoughts with Kevin Stefanski so far, Asa? I mean, things are looking good. I mean, what can you say with a two-on-one record? I mean, obviously, as us Browns fans, what can you say negative about a two-on-one record? First time we've had a winning record since 2014, week 15, I believe it was. So. Yeah. I mean, what can you really say negative? I mean, it's like we were kind of talking before. I was still a little hesitant when it was a a preseason press conference or whenever he did officially announce that he was going to be calling plays and head coaching. I I mean, for the past two years, we've seen past two, three years, however many years it's been, we've seen why we should be hesitant about a coach saying that. But, you know, two and one in the early end of the season can't really say much, man. So. Yeah, I mean, it's this is the first time we've had a re- winning record since 2014. I was 15 years old. You were 15 years old. <laughs> this is the <laughs> first time we've gone two and one since 2011. If we win this game on Sunday against the Cowboys, it'll be the first time we've went three and one since 2001. Isn't that absolutely oh. ridiculous? I was two years old the last time the Browns started three and one. It's, it's just, dude, all you can do is laugh about it. Like when I had some friends over for the game Sunday, we were just sitting out on the patio and after the game, we're just looking at each other and he was just like, wow, man, we won. This is weird. I'm like, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) this is weird to just be like, it's hat. We're happy on a Sunday at four 30. We can just kick back and watch, you know, watch the game that's on four 30 and, you know, just look at our fantasy apps and not be all upset. We're just, you know, kicking it and it is weird. And it's sad to say it's weird, but you know, yeah, no, I mean, there's one of my buddies, he's a, he's an Eagles fan and obviously they're going through (laughs) a hell of a time right now with, uh, with, I mean, they tied the Bengals. I mean, that'll, that just says it all right there. But um, I mean, they're just going through everything and, 
he was kind of laughing and talking to me about it. And I'm just like, man, we've, we've been there and done that. So it's kind of, it's, it's kind of cool to be on the other side of the spectrum as far as week three goes, obviously you don't want to get too far ahead of yourselves as a Browns fan, but I mean, we, we're looking all right through three weeks. So. Yeah. And I, dude, I try not to get too excited because, you know, I really don't like to jinx anything. So let's mm. just say I'm, I'm content with <laughs> how we're headed into Dallas. So, yeah. Uh, going back to week one, obviously we had we had a very tough matchup against the Ravens. Uh, the Ravens obviously just got dismantled by the Chiefs, but I mean, other than that, they've looked like the second best team in the NFL so far. I mean, obviously that was kind of a feel out game for everybody, including Coach Stefanski. That was his first game in uh, in the head coaching in the NFL, and uh, I mean, there was a few questionable play calls, but really that second week against the Bengals, we got to see how this offense was going to look throughout the whole season. When we got that feel out game against the Bengals, kind of to see where this football team was, how, what did you think of Stefanski's play calling and just kind of how he ran the offense? I mean, obviously the defense wasn't so much, I mean, he's the head coach, so it is on him, but that's more on Joe Woods than it is on uh, Stefanski. If, if, if you think about it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, obviously week one was week one. Um, the Ravens are unfortunately, as you know, the history of the Ravens and Browns, hate to say it, but they're a very, very good team. Uh, didn't really show it against Kansas City, but the defending Super Bowl champs. Um, you know, bouncing back against Cincinnati, I was, I mean, I was expecting a win. I mean, some of the things here and there, it's like, dude, come on. It's what, how are we not executing these things? you know, against the Bengals, but you I mean, you, like you just said, he's, this is his first experience as a head coach. And I know we've always just used that excuse for the past two years, but I, that's also a thing I believe in the past many years now that we expect things to just happen in the snap of a finger. And I understand we want it to happen like that, but at this point in the season, I think it's a good thing to just look back and be like, Hey, we're really getting in a groove now. You know, we had that confidence boosting game against Cincinnati. And I think you could see that confidence and the teammates, all our chemistry, everyone believing in each other. I definitely think we've seen that carry over into the Washington game. Yeah, no, for sure. I definitely agree. The one thing we'll kind of move on to this as, as the podcast goes along, but Baker Mayfield is obviously a huge topic of this season. Um, he's, he's coming up, not this off season, but next off season will be his contract year. So that's the big talk this year, as far as the Browns go. Um, how did you, how did you feel he has progressed so far this year? I mean, obviously week one was a little bit of a struggle. He had that pick early on in the game uh, after the bat down, from Calais Campbell, uh, or the tip pass, I should say. I mean, really coming into week two, he played very well in my opinion. And then week three, he played mediocre. If I, I mean, if I was really judging it, the passer rating was there. He played very well as far as efficiency goes, but how would you rate Baker so far from week one to week three? Um, I mean, to be honest, it's I'm for me personally, I know other people have their opinions on it, but for me to actually form a, an opinion that I want to come out of my mouth, I think it's a bit too early to really truly see his progression as a player. I mean, one, I mean, one thing notable for sure, as I mean, he cut down the weight a little bit to, you know, be a little more mobile and try and escape a little bit. But one thing I did like for sure is I personally have seen him have more time to throw the ball. 
I mean, even if in the Cincinnati game, it was Kevin Stefanski running play actions where he's 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage, give him all the room in the world. I mean, we obviously have seen from him so far in a Browns uniform. Once Baker has time to throw, it's, you know, it's on from there. And whether or not it was him trying to force the ball to Odell with all the things going on, the outside noise with, oh, we should just get rid of Odell or wasting him or all that. Um, I mean, just kind of what we touched about in uh, before we started, we were just kind of chatting and everything. Um, I think Kevin uh, Stefanski is just kind of like, hey, man, we're going to, you know, let's just tone it down a little bit. Just get back to the fundamentals. You know, we'll get you going a little bit and then um, just kind of move to a team aspect with this point. Because, I mean, Baker is, you know, the offense. Any quarterback is the offense. So once your quarterback has a lot of confidence, then you want to spread that around. So Kevin Stefanski has done a good job getting him confident and then spreading that confidence to the rest of the offense. And then once everybody on that offense is feeding off each other, we're all excited. We're all confident in our abilities. I mean, obviously, we've seen how this team can perform. So, yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely agree. I think that it's still too early on in the season to really tell what Baker is going to be this year. Um, the one thing that I did see from one of the people I do follow on Twitter was that he said that Kevin Stefanski has almost put training wheels on, on Baker Mayfield's game. And I'm going to take it a step farther and kind of put it like this in 2018. It's like we put Baker Mayfield just on this bike and he was getting the handle of it right away. He was, he was just zoom and he was flying and he, he looked phenomenal. And then in, in week two, you kind of, the wheels started turning and, and he was kind of losing his balance and he wasn't playing too great. And then he fell and he, he hasn't played well really at all. And then in 2020, they put the training wheels back on the bike and said, here, let's, let's kind of just get you back in your groove, get your confidence back and allow you to get back to riding on two wheels, you know? And I think that Baker Mayfield is just, he has shown glimpses of being a phenomenal, phenomenal quarterback. And even though the eye test hasn't shown it, I would still rank him as the second best quarterback in that class. I think that Josh Allen has played great so far this year and there's no doubt about it. If you're going strictly off of this year, Josh Allen has played a million times better, but Mm -hmm. that's why Josh Allen's in the MVP conversation right now, you know? So I think if you're going off a whole career, you got to, you got to put Baker Mayfield over Josh Allen, just because his, his stats have, have proven that he is a, he is a solid quarterback, but we just need him to be that game manager that uh, a lot of people look down on, you know, like a lot of people hear the term game manager and they think, wow, he, he's, he's not going to throw for 300 yards. Well, yeah, that's the case. I mean, Baker Mayfield's not going to come out week in and week out and throw for 350. We're not going to see him be Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, but Peyton Manning was one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And a lot of people consider him a game manager. So I think when you're really thinking about game managing quarterbacks, I think that's exactly what Baker Mayfield is. He just has to die down on those interceptions a little bit. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, and whether or not, like I kind of touched on earlier, whether or not it's him just trying to force the ball to certain people. Um, I mean, we did see him target. Uh, we haven't seen um, Austin Hooper a lot, but in the very beginning of that Washington game, we seen him getting the ball off to Austin Hooper a lot. And then he just kind of spread it around from there. Uh, it's hitting a lot, multiple different targets. So Odell got hit four, 
four receptions. Jarvis had four receptions. Austin Hooper had three. And then Kareem Hunt even had two. So you're just kind of spreading the ball around to all the weapons you have. And we've seen how the offense flow when he's just kind of not really forcing it to one specific guy. Just, hey, you're open, man. Let me do my thing and we'll get you the ball. And we've seen how well the offense flow when he's not really just forcing anything. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And the one thing that has helped him not be able to force the ball to Odell or Jarvis or Austin Hooper is has been the running game. It's been Nick Chubb. It's been Kareem Hunt. And from week two and week three, they have looked like the best running back tandem in the NFL. Uh, Nick Chubb, he he looked phenomenal this week with 19 carries, 19 carries, 108 yards and two touchdowns, averaging five and a half or over five and a half yards a carry. Uh, Kareem Hunt has looked great in the passing game. He had, uh, sorry, let me find it here. Two receptions for 18 yards and a touchdown. And we can't forget that phenomenal Odell-esque catch that he had on the sideline as Baker was uh, getting pummeled there. Oh yeah, that, that was a great play. And I mean, when you have like, two of these quarterbacks and we've seen obviously Kareem Hunt is a more of the guy that goes out and receives also on the running end and Nick Chubb's like more of the power guy you you know like he he's we have seen him go out on the receiving side but just the point here is when you have two running backs like that that can be you know dynamic on both rushing and receiving on that side it's you know the possibilities are endless and it is really great to see these two just blossom in this offense yeah no I completely agree and the one the one uh, analogy that I made to you earlier before the before we started recording was uh, that Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb kind of make this offense and remind me of the Kevin Mack and Ernest Biner days with uh, with uh, Bernie Kosar I think that obviously I wasn't alive for those days. I didn't get to see them play every week, but from the highlights, it allowed Bernie Kosar to not have to be the greatest quarterback in the NFL. It allowed Bernie Kosar to kind of just allow defenses to stack the box and then step back or run a play action pass when he had to and go over the top to a Webster slaughter or Reggie Langhorn. Yeah. I mean, and if you do listen, I mean, he said it himself. I mean, he, he said that watching these two reminds him of those guys that he played with. And also he said himself, you know, he wasn't the best quarterback. I mean, if you watch him throw too, I mean, the ball coming off his hands, I mean, no disrespect to Bernie, but that thing looked goofy sometimes, you know, the way he'd throw, you know, it, it, did, it looked a little rough sometimes, but I mean, it got the job done in yeah. certain situations. And if, you know, if he felt like, you know, if this quite ain't working, you got two of the go two of those guys back there that can really just carry it for you. So, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I think again, Bernie Kosar's obviously the greatest quarterback in Brown's history and he's looked phenomenal, but, or he looked phenomenal in his day. But I think that again, if we can get Baker back on track, then this, this team can emulate everything that that, that old team was, you know, and, I mean, obviously we'd, we'd like to make it to the Super Bowl. We'd like to get past the AFC championship and we'd like to, to have those victories, but we, it starts with the little things like making the playoffs first, winning the division first, doing, doing little things like that. Yeah. I mean, and looking ahead, you know, I mean, Baltimore did, 
I, I mean, I would call that just, you know, a rough game. They're obviously going to bounce back from that. We have, we see them twice a year, every year. We know how the Ravens are, but one thing to look at, and I honestly didn't expect it, but I mean, you gotta, you gotta look at the sealers now. I mean, they're three and all they're at the top of the division now having big Ben back. I didn't expect him to come back at his full form like this, but I mean, definitely looking at trying to get through the Ravens and Steelers is going to be tough. So, I mean, once we get it going, I, I think we'll definitely put up a good competition for the division. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, talking about the Steelers, uh, kind of touching on them for a second, we play them in three weeks now, I believe it is. And, and we play them in Heinz. So uh, <laughs> it's going to be a tough one. But again, these next three games, I really feel are like feel out games for the Browns. You got the Cowboys away, you got the Colts at home, and then you got the Steelers away. So I think that, I, I was actually just on the Browns huddle podcast uh, with Jason and uh, I was telling him, I really feel like if we come out of the next three games, if we can win at least one of these games, I really feel positive coming into that last half of the schedule because I'm not sure if you saw this or not, but with from, I, th- I believe it was after the Bengals game. So starting the Washington game, we now have the easiest schedule in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I so, did see that actually. So I, I really feel like if we can come out of the next three games and at least win one of them, I mean, let me look at the schedule here for a second and kind of, kind of show you what it, or I mean, I'm sure you know what it looks like, but kind of just pull it up here. I mean, you have the Bengals, the Raiders, uh, the Eagles, the Jaguars, the Giants and the Jets. I mean, those are all really rough teams this year that you have coming into that last half of the schedule. So I'm not going to sit, sit here and say that those should all be wins. But again, if we're going to take care of business against teams that we should win against, then, uh, then, then those, those are, those should be some games that we, we walk away with. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. <clears throat> I, I mean, it's a good point. I mean, you, if you do, like you just said, man, just to reiterate on uh, your point, it's your fans are going to expect that. It's like, Oh yeah, man, we, we took, we really did what we needed to do in that game. So this, I mean, <laughs> it's gotta be a win, right? Like you just have to expect that. It, it's just a great point And like what you said, but also at the same time, if the team thinks that, then they can't, you know, going, they can't really go into that game, just kind of lollygagging than that. Cause then, yeah. you know, the teams get embarrassed like that. We've yeah. seen it happen multiple times, multiple upsets, you know, teams going in Oh yeah, this is, you know, the Eagles are doing so bad this year. We'll be fine. Let's just, it's just a cake game or, yeah. you know, it, it, you just got to be on your a game all season. And if we do do that, don't really take anything lightly, then we're going to go to great places for sure. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, as Browns fans, we have seen, we've had plenty of games on the schedule where we felt like, yeah, that should be a win. And then we, we come home on a Sunday and we're like bummed for the rest of the day because we yeah. just got destroyed by. It's like, a, wow, dude. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not going to overlook any of those teams and say that again, we're going to win those games, but looking at three, four, five, six, even six games at the second half of the schedule, you're coming away from that and you're going, man, those are some teams that the Browns should be favored in, you know, those are some games that they should be favored in. So uh, again, I mean, this team has shown us, shown us quite a bit so far through, through the first three weeks, but really, I guess right now, I kind of want to talk about the Washington game and kind of just recap that game. 
I guess you mm-hmm. could say, because, I mean, we've talked about the first three weeks, obviously, but we didn't get a chance to really recap this game. So, um, I mean, I really don't even know where to start with this game. The defense was like, it was, it was almost a weird thing where the defense looked awful, but we had five turnovers. So it was <laughs> like, <laughs> it was like, you can't really be upset with them because yeah, they looked like garbage, but we got, we forced five turnovers. So how are you going to really be upset with the defense? You know? Yeah. I mean, honestly, if, if you really pay attention and look at it, you, we should honestly be pretty impressed because, you know, we are ex- really excited about seeing Grant tell Pitt, but obviously in training camp, he suffered that season ending injury. So we're not going to see him. Greedy Williams was out with an injury. And so, I mean, you got Denzel out there pretty much on an Island with some of these other guys. We, our linebacker core wasn't looking the best, but uh, you know, these guys that are, you know, second and third on the depth chart. I mean, you see them making plays like this. It does. It should get you very excited. I mean, yes, we, past this rest of whole season so far the defense has been definitely the weakest point of this team but when you come up with five turnovers like you just said and you know you have the guys in that defensive backfield making plays like that I mean it should definitely be a big confidence boost and these guys should really be patting themselves on the back for that for sure yeah (laughs) I was just looking over the stat lines here and uh (laughs) and I saw Carl Joseph's name pop up. And I mean, obviously I was thinking of that interception that he returned for 50 yards almost. And uh, and man, that, that play right there sent like every shiver down my spine when I've watched that ball get fumbled out as he got tackled. Oh man. (laughs) I remember dude, he caught that ball and I was like, Oh my gosh, he's going to take it all the way. And he takes it all the way down the field. And then right as he gets tackled, I just saw that thing fly up in the air. Luckily, Tavier Thomas was there to uh, recover it, but man, (laughs) that was a hell of a play, huh? Yeah, I dude, honestly, as soon as I seen that ball come out, I'll kind of cut back what I said, but I'm like, dude, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah, as right. soon as I seen that ball, I'm like, you have to be kidding me. But thank God we had, you know, we had some orange hats around the ball. So we yeah. did get the recovery. So that's, that's good to see also multiple orange hats, you know, around the ball. That's just a really good thing to see, especially on the defensive side. Yeah. I mean, again, talking about turnovers, the one guy that I've really had my eye on the past two weeks was uh, Malcolm Smith Uh, with the linebacking struggles that we've had. I mean, so far this season, Malcolm Smith has kind of been the bright spot in, in this, this linebacking core, you know, I mean, Taki Taki almost, it feels like he's kind of struggled to tackle at times. Obviously Sendeo is not a linebacker, but I mean, you could make you could make a debate that he might be one of the worst starting defensive players in the NFL right now. So like (laughs) having somebody like Malcolm Smith coming in, making big plays and and kind of just being that leader that we wanted when we signed him is is huge. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, definitely losing out on Kirksey. I mean, he was definitely that pinnacle leader and that defensive side of the ball. Um, And honestly, I mean, I was taking a look at the Green Bay game and it did kind of suck seeing him go down, but I mean, yeah. definitely having somebody that we need to replace that leader role like that. Cause I mean, you know, he embraced the city, he embraced us as a people and you could see that carry over on the field. He embraced the team as his, and he really took over that. So I think one of these young guys, whoever it is, will take over and step up. And once we have that real good leader on defense, then I, I think things will start to come together a little bit. I mean, it's not going to happen right away. I think it'll be a real, you know, a real slow, 
slow and steady trip for us to really recover as a defense and become who we want to be and who we need to be on that side of the ball. But I'd first things first, having a leader like that, it'll all go from there. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I mean, one thing I really kind of wanted to touch on, I mean, I'm kind of like all over the place just because I was talking to you beforehand and I was telling you, like, I haven't really gotten to talk Browns on, on the airwaves so far this year. So I'm like every single thing that pops into my head about the Browns, I'm like getting ready to splurt it out, you know, but like, yeah, I get it, man. I get it. (laughs) The one thing, like you're talking about leaders and the one guy I always think of when somebody says leaders, as far as the Browns go is Jarvis Landry. Uh, This guy is like through the first three weeks, he, I mean, he hasn't really gotten the most targets. He hasn't played insane. I mean, as far as yardage goes, he's tied for 54th in the NFL and 47th in reception. So like he, we know that he's a better wide receiver than that, but you don't hear anything from him. Every single play, you see this guy go out there and make the blocks that he needs to and give and has just has the passion in general that he needs to have. And I mean, we do need a leader on that defense, but as far as a leader on offense or a leader of this team in general, I think Jarvis Landry has to be put up there. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, just kind of like knocking on old wood here, but I mean, watching hard knocks, we obviously seen that Jarvis was definitely the leader. I mean, not Mm -hmm. only in the receiving room, but I mean, everyone sees that and how much energy he has towards his guys. And he's going to look at, I mean, everybody on the team's just going to look up to Jarvis after, you know, having a, I don't know. I, I guess a little inspirational speech. I wouldn't call it an outburst. Cause when you say outburst, someone just thinks of throwing a temper tantrum, but yeah, right. I mean, his, his, that speech he did give to kind of light the fire under those guys. Uh, I, I, I definitely, I think that solidified his role as the leader. One of the leaders on this team was that for sure. And, you know, like you just said that he's not, Oh man, I ain't getting the ball and Baker should be throwing it to me like that. I mean, that's another care strike characteristics sorry you know it's not it's not me 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 it's you know is the team doing good cool like you know I'm a part of this we're all doing good together so that that to me stands out yeah no for sure and I mean you saying me 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 it also kind of reminds me of something else I mean in that Washington game I'm, I'm sure you remember this play but when Baker underthrew Odell and it I mean, it was getting ready to get picked off and Odell came back on that route, punched the ball out of the corner's hand, or was it a corner or safety? I can't really remember, but um, it punched the ball out of the corner's hand and and stopped that interception streak that Baker would have had going. Um, That's a play from Odell that a lot of people will sit here and say that Odell is all me, me, me. And maybe last year he was, I mean, there were times last year that he was throwing temper tantrums on the sideline and he was doing this and that, but that's a play last year that I don't see Odell making, but him having that, giving that effort and just being able to come back, play almost like a defensive receiver and then celebrate about it on the sideline after he did it was, that was something awesome to me, really. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if you look at a lot of the, you know, well-known standout receivers in the league. I mean, you see that happen. You don't see a lot of them really making that much of an effort to punch out the ball. You're really not going to see it a lot. And, you know, I I think it's just about uh, Odell growing up as a person. I mean, Mm. you know, these guys are still in their 20s, you know. I mean, a lot of people have their different opinions about when you should grow up or anything like that. 
But I mean, just no matter what age he is, I mean, just seeing that, I think it's it should be a sign that you know Odell's definitely transferring into a all right, man. Like, let's be a part of something great. Like, yeah, yeah. I've I've been uh, I've been I was a star in New York. I mean, I ha- I have the most iconic catch in NFL history. You know, he I mean he kind mm-hmm. of rode on that a little bit, mm-hmm. and I, I think he's just really looking at the bigger picture here. And it's like, all right, man, we got a chance to do something real cool. And like, not just me be a part of that, but just having a whole team be a part of something great. And I think he's really realizing that. And he's, you know, putting forth the effort in certain situations that I don't think he really would in the past. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think that, again, I I would love to see this passing offense just start to flourish. You know, I'd love to see Jarvis and Odell and Hooper and even Kareem Hunt and all these other, even Harrison Bryant. Like, I'd love to see all these guys get touches and just go insane on offense. But I think, like I said earlier, that Baker in this offense, Baker just needs to get comfortable in this offense first. And then I think that's when really these guys will start to get touches and it won't, nobody will have to worry about, Hey, I'm not getting touches anymore, you know, or I'm not getting as many touches as I would like, because yes, you do kind of have to spread the ball around and you do kind of want to please some of your receivers at times. But I think once the offense and once Baker gets comfortable in this offense and Kevin Stefanski obviously starts to learn how to get these guys, the ball a little bit more, I think that's really when we're going to see these guys, just come together and be the offense that we've expected them to be for now almost two years. Yeah. I, I mean, I know we all, just, I, I mean, I do want to see it too. I mean, I want to see us have, you know, explosive games where it's just an air raid and we just completely <laughs> obliterate someone through the air. But, you know, at this point for me, what I, I, I would just, whatever works for the guys, man, just, you know, whatever our strong point is, we just got to ride the wave on that. I, I would like to see that. I mean, mm-hmm if we can get an air raid offense going in the NFL, like, I mean, not necessarily a college air raid offense, but I mean, if we can get something cool or we just explode for a couple games, absolutely. Of course, everyone loves to see the pretty highlights, the pretty plays, you know, Odell jumping up one hand over two defenders and scoring a touchdown. Like, but yeah. I mean, just, you know, I mean, the simple things is what I would, I really want to see us execute on. And I mean, However, we're winning games. I don't care how we win them. I mean, yeah. if we win a game off of just safeties, man, like <laughs> cool, you know, yeah. I, whatever gets us to win, I am completely fine with it. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I think that right now as Browns fans, we are so excited to be two and one. We're so excited to be looking up. I mean, hell we're tight. Ty- well, technically, if you want to get technical, the Ravens are ahead of us in the division, but we are tied right now with the Ravens for, in, for the division. And uh, well, the Steelers are, are number one, but we're, we're tied for second. So <laughs> I think yeah. that a lot of people are excited right now in Cleveland. And uh, I mean, there is reason to be excited, but at the same time, I want to see them do the things that they've been doing the past few games against teams like the Cowboys and the Steelers and, and even the Ravens again, when we have to play them. So once they really do that, that's when I think a lot of people will start to buy into Kevin Stefanski, buy into Baker Mayfield a little bit more and just allow this team to really flourish, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially coming up on a team like Dallas, I mean, me, me personally, I, I really hate the Cowboys because 
I, I, I just do. Like, it, it, they just ride on stuff that happened more than my lifetime ago. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's just they do one great thing and we'll hear about it for the next 20 years. Yeah. And I, I mean, and plus they, everyone gets their hopes up for the Cowboys and they always just disappoint. And right. I mean, even as a Browns fan, I laugh at it. I'm like, ha ha. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. just for I mean, if we go in there and could, I mean, just get a win over them, period. I'm just like, yeah, ha ha. No talking now. So, yeah, right. I mean, honestly, dude, I, I'll, I'll ask you if you if you have some points for it. I mean, what is what is the one thing specific that you think we need to mainly focus on to get uh, a good win over this Dallas team? Man, I mean, I think there's so much that we would have to do, but I think if you come out and you run the ball early, that is going to, I mean, really, this is the key for it the Browns offense for the rest of the year, but especially against this Dallas team because their safeties and their corners are so subpar. I mean, below par really like you, you want to come out and you want to run the ball early, make them stack the box, make them stop Nick Chubb and Kareem hunt. And then later on in the second half, that'll allow for those big plays that we all want to see out of Odell, out of Jarvis, out of Austin Hooper. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and I'm just going to piggyback off your point real quick. I mean, we, we've seen it happen in these these past few games so far. I mean, we really, really pound the ball on the on the ground. And I mean, more so we've seen it in the Washington game. I mean, just the tip, what the point of a play action pass is, like how what the meaning of it being developed. I mean, you run you run the ball, you run the ball on the team, you get them tired and then, oh, wait, here comes a play action. So I think. Honestly, if we really, really execute on that specific a- aspect, like he just said, just make them stop Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, and they'll be so focused on that, and then Baker all of a sudden rolling out from the right side of the line of scrimmage, and then, bam, finds one of his receivers downfield and attack those corners and safeties, and I think the whole defense will be, oh, my God, what, what do we even stop? What do we focus on right now? And we'll be in a roll by that time. So I think if the game goes like that, then we'll definitely come out of Dallas with a win. Yeah, no, for sure. I definitely agree. And I think the one thing, the one last point I wanted to make uh, about the Dallas game is that if you remember week one, uh, it was a prime time Sunday night game, the Rams versus the Cowboys and uh, Jared Goff in that, I mean, I mean, not amazing anymore, but the used to be amazing Rams offense. uh, They, they ran play action on the Cowboys. So, so much in that game. And even though Jared Goff didn't throw for a touchdown in that game, he, he really flourished in throwing that play action into the offense. So I think that Baker Mayfield thrives on play action. He thrives throwing to his tight ends. He thrives allowing or getting out of the pocket, allowing him to get out of the pocket. And when that is staged, when it's staged for him to get to out of the pocket, it's going to allow him to throw for touchdowns, throw down the field and throw over the top to the two, I mean, a lot of people will debate this right now, but two of the greatest receivers in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, if I was, if I was that team and I, I mean, kind of predict what's going to be going on for the week ahead, preparing this game, I think we're definitely going to be looking at that game on film heavy and heavy and be like, look how the Rams executed this. And I mean, just go with an unprofessional aspect this at this point if I was in there I'll be like dude if Jared Goff can do this come on Baker like you know <laughs> let's let's do it let's torch him like you know yeah right but I mean I I I think we're 
at the Browns in that room, I think they're going to be very professional about this. They're not going to really go at it like that, but I think they're really just in all seriousness going to really look at that film and be like, look, we know how we can run a play action offense. I mean, we've seen it in the start of the Cincinnati game. And I think they'll look, they'll kind of, I think they'll really just compare those two films and be like, look guys, we have done it before. Here it is. Look how we execute this. It went to plan. And then they'll, probably switch over to that Rams film and be like, look, we're playing this defense. Look how the Rams did it. You know, maybe let's, they'll probably let's touch up certain things here and there to kind of adjust to what Dallas runs. And I think that'll be one of the key things about this offense. That'll really get us this win and get us, get us going. Yeah, no, I, I, again, I completely agree with everything you've said so far. So the one thing I'm just kind of looking at the schedule now and just realizing it, but isn't it crazy that the Cowboys were an onside kick, a failed onside kick attempt away from being 0-3 right now? <laughs> like, Dude, I – that's definitely – we're going to be watching that that specific moment for a long time, man. And I what I'm – what I've been sitting back, I mean, I've seen – it was when I was watching – it was the it was the Falcons game, obviously. I can't remember what week, probably last week sometime, or maybe a, a week this past week or the week before that. And since the Super Bowl, since they blew up that big lead, they're like 24 and 27 since then or something like that. I mean, it's just looking at them, it's like, what happened? Yeah, dude. <laughs> Honestly, like, what happened to Atlanta? Like, in all seriousness, it's like, yeah. wow. You know, I mean, the yeah. downfall of that team has been rough. Yeah, no, I agree. I was, I was listening to the Adam Lefko podcast and he kind of made a joke that it, it just made me laugh a little bit because he said, it's almost like Dan Quinn is going out there, patting these guys on the back at halftime and going, all right, don't blow it. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's like, how do you, how do you continue to blow leads this badly? Like the Falcon special teams literally went out there for an onside kick that they knew was coming they, they knew it was coming and they just didn't touch the ball. Like, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, dude, it was, I cannot remember. I mean, forgive me for not knowing all of what, like 400, 500 players and whatever, like all the players in the NFL, but that one specific guy in that Falcon special team, he just looked at it and just let it roll past him. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I get it. You're supposed to let it go past 10 yards, but he, he kind of, <laughs> he kind of let it go a little too far. And I think yeah. he's just kicking himself in the back right now, dude. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, like I, I know exactly who it was too. I remember it was number 18, but I can't remember the guy's name, but yeah, I mean, this Falcons team is really rough, but getting back to the Browns and Cowboys, I really am like, I'm excited for this game. I think this is really the first time the, the Browns have faced a big name team in recent memory. Anyways, that, I'm excited for the game, you know, like I'm, I'm excited to see the, I mean, even though the Cowboys aren't great, but like, I don't know, maybe it's just the name of the Cowboys that gets us hyped up and thinking that they're a big team, but this is really the first time that the Browns have played a big name team that they really aren't favored in this game, but I'm still excited to see what they do because I think that they really, they really have a great chance of coming out on top. Yeah. I mean, if if, if you do, I mean, the Cowboys have been getting a lot of, of they got a lot of preseason attention and I think if this us we come out and get a win out of this Dallas team 
I mean, that are still, I mean, they're always going to get attention, unfortunately, but if, if, you, if the Browns come out and get a win over a team like that, then people are really going to start looking at us, you know, we're three and one coming off a win off of Dallas and people are going to be like, all right, man, like, you know, the, the Cleveland's legit, dude. I, I, th- I think yeah. we're going to get, we're going to start to get that attention also and people are really going to start looking at us seriously. Yeah, no, it's, it's going to take, it's going to take something like this happening, like us beating a team that we should not beat for people to start taking the Browns seriously. Now, now me saying that I'm not, I'm saying we could, we could go into every game that we're supposed to win and win and go into every game that we're supposed to lose and lose and still possibly make the playoffs. So I think that, yes, we should. If we make if we win one of these big games, then yes, we should be taken seriously. But I think that it's going to take us beating the Cowboys, beating the Steelers on the road, beating the Ravens at some or the second game in the season. It's going to take us winning one of those big games for people in the around the NFL, NFL analysts to really start taking us seriously. Yeah, and I think I, I kind of want to piggyback off like my own point. I now that I now that it came out of my mouth after I thought about it, like and like you kind of just said too, like it, it's it's gonna take more than just the Dallas win for us to be taken seriously. Right. And I mean, a, dude, a, a win in Pittsburgh at this point in the season will be huge. I mean, once once it comes time to play them, I mean, we beat them in Pittsburgh. That'll be very that'll be big i mean if and me personally i think if we beat them in pittsburgh it'll be very difficult for them to come into cleveland beat us after we beat them in pittsburgh yeah no i completely agree i think i'm i could be wrong on this and i might i might fact fact check myself here but i don't believe ben roethlisberger has ever lost a game to the browns in pittsburgh and to go out and do that this year would be absolutely astonishing yeah, I dude, I thinking back at it, I really don't think so either. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, I, last year if we were going to do it, it was going to be last year, but obviously Big Ben wasn't playing then and we still lost in uh in Pittsburgh, so Yeah, I now I'm going to be curious and try and uh Yeah, yeah I'm looking it up right now. So <laughs> uh yeah, I mean, I really just Last year would have been the year to to win in Pittsburgh, but I I feel like if we, yeah, okay, sorry, I just looked it up. Uh, Roethlisberger is perfect twelve and zero against the Browns at Heinz Field, throwing twenty one touchdown passes and eleven interceptions. His mm. all time record against the Cleveland Browns. You want to take a guess? Oh man, uh, it it's definitely a big landslide. <laughs> It, ben Roethlisberger is 23-2-1 against the Cleveland Browns throughout his whole career. I so. mean, on, like in all, like, even though it's a very negative thing for us to talk about, like in all seriousness, dude, what quarterback has really like just completely owned a team like Ben Roethlisberger has always beat us? Like, no, like, I don't think we'll ever be able to look back and be like, oh yeah, that quarterback always torched, you know, whoever like Atlanta or something like dude it's always Ben Roethlisberger has like I don't think I don't think anybody's even gonna come close to that either yeah no I I completely agree it's kind of embarrassing but you know now we just got to move on and and write a different narrative you know Mm -hmm. yeah it's time to do it (laughs) yeah so I again going looking down the rest of the schedule I mean beating Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh would be huge now that being said, I don't think that happens. I I I'd love to be optimistic and I'd love to 
look at the schedule and say we're going 15 and one for the rest of the year, you know, but yeah, but really looking at the schedule, I think that we lose to Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh now, but I think that going to the end of the schedule, we play Pittsburgh in week 17, that could have some major playoff implications for both teams. And I think that winning that game in Cleveland would be way more important than any other game that the Browns will play this season. Yeah. I'm, I mean, and especially once we get, if we do, you know, pull off these wins and I think we can look ahead. Cause obviously right now, I really don't want to look ahead to that. I, I think we got to take it one step at a time, but I think one, yeah. if we get those big wins under our belt like that, then we can look forward to that at that point and be like, all right, you know, we, we got those out of the way. So I, I think we, our chances are pretty high. So let's just keep the train rolling from this point. I, that's how I think it'll, you know, that's how the mindset should be at least, you yeah. know, like let's not do not slow down now, like pedal yeah. to the floor, man. Let's keep it going. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, as, as, as a Browns fan and as somebody that's talking on the podcast, I, I like to look forward to those things, but yeah, I really, I really hope the players are not, I hope they just take it one step at a time and all they're worried about right now is Dallas. Yeah. I, I mean, I think so. I mean, they're, yeah. I mean, they're the players we're the fans. So yeah, right. I mean, they're, they're the professional ones. So I, I mean, I think they're, you know, starting to, like, look, man, I mean, we cannot get big headed. Like, yeah, this is a great thing for us. These, you know, these fans haven't seen something like this in a long time, but you know, we want to give them something bigger to look at than just being two and one, you know? Yeah. Like I, I think they're really pushing for us to have something greater. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I, again, this team has shown some very, very great signs of being a solid team. Again, like I said earlier on the podcast, now we have to do it against teams like the Cowboys and the Colts and the Steelers for people to really start to look down or look up to Cleveland and be like, wow, yeah, this team might might be something. And until we do that, then then we're not going to get that national attention. We're not going to get really anything because last year, that's what everybody thought we were going to be. Everybody thought Baker was going to come out and throw for 550 yards a game. And <laughs> Odell was going to catch, catch the ball 20 million times. And the Browns were just going to put up hundred points a game. And when we got put on prime time five times or four times or whatever it was last year, and we just laid an egg in almost every game, it, it was, it was frustrating. So <laughs> it's going to take, it's going to take a lot for people to start to look our way as far as being a good team that will make the playoffs. Oh yeah. I mean, if we could all just have it, like, I mean, me, I mean, if we could all just have it like Madden 20, how my franchise was, dude, all (laughs) I did was throw to Odell literally every, like almost every single time, dude, I threw the ball to Odell. I mean, but you can't really do that. You know, I mean, you don't really see that a lot. We're, and we're not the type of team. I mean, you do see sometimes some of those teams that's like, Oh yeah, that's, you know, whoever, like whoever quarterback and receiver, like, Oh yeah, that's them too all day. Like yeah, right. that team is those two without either one of those guys, that team is just nothing. And um, I mean, we just have too many talents on this team to really be focused on just two people, you know? Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I mean, as we wrap up the podcast, I mean, I'm super excited for this Brown season and I know you too, you are too, Asa. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I, for sure. I'm really looking forward to what this team can go out there and prove. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I think that 
again, as the season goes on, we'll be here two times a week. We're going to be here on, on uh, Thursday mornings at eight o'clock. And again, the podcast will be posted on Sunday mornings at eight o'clock. So uh, we're, we're going to be here to talk football all year long. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Brennan Wolf CLE is in the first three letters of Cleveland and Asa, if you want to go ahead and throw out your Twitter uh, handle. Yeah, uh, just my Twitter handle is just Asa, A-S-A, Asa Sport Shoot. And I'm, I'm honestly the most active on Twitter, so <laughs> don't even bother with my Instagram. I tried, but I, I'm just more active on Twitter. I think everyone's just more active on Twitter. So, you know, anything we can get at this point, we would very much appreciate. Yeah, no, I actually have a, a pretty sad Twitter story really quick before we end the podcast. But uh Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm not sure if you saw, but I had to create a completely new account. And uh, my old account, I had over 2000 something followers. I had a tweet that reached over 99,000 likes and Joe Thomas and Josh Cribs and Bernie Kozar and all these guys followed me on this account. And uh, I think it was the Sunday. Yeah, it was the Sunday that we had off. It was the Sunday after the Thursday night game. And uh, I went to log into my Twitter and it said I got locked out. And I was like, what? I was like, what? So I I tried to get in contact with Twitter, never got my Twitter account back and uh, still have yet to hear back from them. So, man, I I was really pissed about that. But uh, I guess I'm just going to be starting my Twitter account over from scratch. So uh, yeah, again, you can follow me on Twitter at Brandon Wolf underscore CLE. So uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little bit depressing, but again, we can, we can work back up to all the accomplishments that I had before. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely, man. I'm looking forward to it. Cause anything I interacted with on your Twitter, man, it blew my stuff up. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, I don't even know where that came from, but it's uh yeah, it's it's going to be a fun football season, and we have so many games to look forward to. The offense is finally starting to get in rhythm, so make sure you stay tuned right here on the Bark of the Browns podcast with me and Asa throughout the whole season to uh, to keep you updated. <laughs>